The Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was, one of the, was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up, go on your way, your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For ten men, for ten men, they were given a death sentence. For these ten men to one day notice upon themselves blotches of white skin forming on their flesh, they knew what that meant. They knew that when they went to the temple, they would have a rigorous exploration, a triage, so to speak, of a, a, a full examination of their bodies. I imagine something very humiliating, something uh, very nerve-wracking, and also something ultimately grievous in all accounts. There was no cure for these ten men. And in time, the disease would overtake their body. In time, as the disease progressed, and at its worst, parts of their own flesh, parts of their body would fall off. As it progressed, for some of them, even their esophagus and their throat would become inflamed and would fall apart. They would no longer be able to eat, no longer be able to swallow, no longer be able to even speak. On some accounts, as we know in the Middle Ages, a man or woman with leprosy would be handed a bell. A bell that they would have to walk around ringing so that anyone that ever heard that bell ringing would have to stay at least 10 feet away. Puts the CDC's regulations to shame, amen? They would have to ring that bell everywhere they went when they were out in public, which was incredibly rare that they would even go out into public. But if you heard the bell, the bell wasn't anything you wanted to hear. That bell was a death sentence and everyone would stay as far and clear away from you as physically possible. On this particular day, though, however, these ten men who were uh, standing off to the side in town, probably in some cave shelled away, away, kept away from everybody else, word on the street was this man named Jesus of Nazareth had appeared. We do not know how they knew his name or what he was up to, but what we do know is all throughout Luke's story, all throughout Scripture, everywhere Jesus goes, his name, his reputation precedes him. And these ten men on that particular day must have heard that Jesus was in town, and I imagine they grabbed themselves, they got up off their feet, 
in the capacity that they could, dusted themselves off, grabbed their bells, and began to walk down the street in hopes that maybe, just maybe, they'd get a glimpse. But notice that in this story, they are absolutely following the rules, following the regulations, following the law, keeping their distance, and they shout out, they say, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have pity on us. Imagine a few of them whose voices still worked were able to shout that out with just an ounce of hope. Notice they didn't even say heal us. They didn't say help us. They simply said have mercy. Jesus looks at them and he says go show yourselves to the priests. I imagine they pause with hesitancy. Uh, uh, Jesus, we, we can't go to temple. We can't go to the priest. The last time we were with the priest was the full body examination, and we were cast out never to step foot in this place again. But they did say, Lord, have mercy. And he said, go and show yourselves. And what did they do? They listened. Jesus' words come into their ears. They hear those words, and they take off step by step, pace by pace, and I imagine as they're walking, as they're looking at each other, they notice something is happening. They notice something is changing. They notice the guy next to him is looking younger and younger. All of a sudden, he's becoming clean. They look down at themselves. They look at their hands, their arms, their feet, their toes, and all of a sudden, everything is there. All of a sudden, they are healthy and well, and I imagine that pace of a walk is taking off into a foot race. Amen? Except for one who pauses and remembers that even he as the Samaritan still can't go to the temple. Because the Samaritan's not welcome at the temple. He's going to stop, and in absolute surprise and adoration, he's going to turn around and he's going to run back with the, the most joyous hallelujahs. I can only imagine what you guys may say or not say, may do or not do, but he goes back running and skipping, and not only does he find Jesus again there in the square of the town, he doesn't just say, oh man, thank you so much for what you did. He didn't just pull out a thank you card and start writing thank yous. He didn't just bow down. He dropped to his knees, laid down with his face in the dirt, hands spread out, prostrates himself, and says, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. He didn't go to the temple because he couldn't. He couldn't go to the priest. He went to the highest priest in that moment. Amen? And he worshipped in that space in the absolute culmination of what worship is and should be. This past week in, in one of our adult ed series with our parenting and faith, I, I asked them, I said, why do you come to church? Why do you worship? I love the answers. Well, we, we, we come to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Good answer. Good answer. Amen? We come for the fellowship. Decent answer. Amen? Someone bravely said, we come for the donuts. <laughs> Thank you, Boyd. Amen? We come so that our kids can learn about God. 
all good answers, but none of them are the right answer. We come to worship to worship God and God alone. We come because we need to say the words, Lord, have mercy. Amen? We come because there is only one God, there is only one way to worship, and we shall come down and prostrate ourselves before the Lord and say, thank you. Because that is the whole point of worship. In fact, when you think about your human story, when you think about maybe those of us that have been in church our entire lives, we grew up as little children, maybe we went to Sunday school or that really interesting thing called vacation Bible school, we grow up into the church, maybe some of us were baptized and confirmed and graduated, regardless we're here, but I don't think when most of us come into those doors every single Sunday morning or Saturday night or Wednesday night, whoever, whoever you are, when we come through those doors, I don't imagine that our intent is, I am coming to prostrate myself before the Lord and say, thank you. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, be gracious and have pity on me. This Samaritan did not have the ability to go to the temple and see the priests. That Samaritan instead goes to the highest priest and bows down in worship. The Lord says, what about the other nine? This is when we have a really bad sermon in which we think Jesus is admonishing the other nine. Let's be honest, those other nine are actually doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went to the priests, right? And they were welcomed back into the fold. They were welcomed back into the community of worship. They were welcomed back into their community and their homes. They were finally able to go home again to their loved ones, to their family. I don't think Jesus was admonishing them. He was just simply asking, where are they? And where is the worship that they seek? Because remember, those are now at the temple in the shiny building up on the hillside. Remember, Jesus, the high priest himself, is never going to go back into that shiny temple up onto the hillside. Amen? That high priest is going to be dragged outside of those temple walls, outside of the walls of the city, and he's going to be placed on an old rugged cross. And that is where the high priest will rest. And that is what we see in our story as Luke progresses. But we all long for a miracle. We all long for a miracle. I was given the gift of a story this week. Our friend Judy Rapp, many of us know Judy, she shared this story with me this week and she gave me full permission to share it with you guys. A dear friend of hers has been a faithful woman all of her life in the church. And about six months ago, she too was diagnosed with stage four cancer. It came on out of nowhere. She was not sick at all until all of a sudden symptoms arose and she went to the doctor and was told that it was in her lungs and her spine and in her brain. She spent a lot of time in prayer. She's always been a faithful woman, Judy said. 
She was given the options of all of the treatments that she could do, and she said, I don't think I'm going to do that at this time. And as time progressed, she grew weak, she grew tired. One night when the family came home, she was so exhausted on the, on the couch that she could hardly catch her breath, and so she was taken to the hospital, and the doctor said, this may be the last evening that you get to be with family. And all the family was around her, they prayed, they had time in conversation, and she finally looked at all of them and she said, guys, I'm at peace, I'm okay with what's to come. And she closed her eyes and she went to sleep. The last thing she got to experience was her daughter giving her a hug, and when her daughter gave her the hug, she could feel all of the lumps in her back from all of the tumors that had developed. And she laid her mom down, gave her a kiss, and said goodnight. The next morning, Judy's friend opened her eyes, and she sat up and she said, guys, I am healed. And as she stood up and she said, I am healed, the story that came flooding her mind was the story of the ten lepers who went to Jesus and said, Lord, have pity on me. And I smiled and I looked at Judy, I said, well, that's fascinating because that's the text for this week. And she said, oh my, oh my. And sure enough, as the woman was sitting there, the lumps were all gone, the tumors were gone. The doctors came in, and they did all the scans, they took her down for the PET scan, the CT scans, the MRIs, and in fact, she was healed. She, dis she was discharged that afternoon with a clean bill of health. Judy gave me permission to share that story, not because it's a story of us debating as to who has faith and enough faith and if you have the faith you'll be healed because the truth is there are many of us that have had very difficult stories in which healing has not taken place. It's not about whether or not we have enough faith and whether or not God hears us. It's not that. Judy shared the story because she just wanted all of us to remember that no matter the trials we face in our lives, that we come out of that cave, we go down that path, and we simply remind ourselves that the only capacities we have on this earth is to say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, take pity on me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus is our high priest. And he will always give us healing either on this side of death or in the next. But in that moment, as we go to the temple, let us not go to the temple with our high hopes and expectations that we have figured out exactly what it is that we can do in this life because it absolutely has nothing to do with what we can do. Amen? We go to the temple... We go to the highest of high priests and we fall on our knees and say, Lord, thank you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we continue in our journey, as we continue through the season, let us remember that the priest is there. He says, show yourself. We give thanks and we give worship to God. Thanks be to God. Amen.